This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. He's queuing you up here. He's queuing you up here. Good morning, Rutherford County. Thank you, Paul. I was sitting over here running my mouth, and I didn't even realize that we were coming on. You were, uh, hey, you you would make a great uh, uh, announcer, uh, as you can relate to almost everything that went on in Rutherford County for the last 50 or 60 years, well, or if you're that old. Thankful for the rumor, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. I had... Uh, a, a birthday. Uh, I celebrated my birthday for four or five, actually longer than that. And uh, my good friends Greg and Mentriette wanted to take me out to somewhere different. So uh, across from um, uh, the uh, grocery store right there on Rutherford Boulevard. Across from Publix. Publix, yes, thank you. Um, there is a... Vietnamese restaurant and I have been going by it for it seems like for years and I, I probably have going to mess up the title of the restaurant but it's uh, it's either pho or um, I, I want to stick with pho P-H-O Viet and then V-I-E-T for Vietnamese and it was one of the more pleasant uh, times that I've had in a restaurant in a long, long time. Because I was learning, I was with uh, some of my, two of my best friends, and uh, they were uh, educating me, plus entertaining me during that whole time. And I brought the uh, 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 menu with me, and a lot of the... Uh, it's a very diverse menu. Yeah, it, it, it's it's in uh, Vietnamese and English, and I was sitting there, and I, I said, "I have got to go back there because they were so <laughs> nice to us. The owners were, and um, you can telephone them at six two nine two zero one eight one eight zero. That's six two nine two zero one eight one eight zero. And the address is 1722 South Rutherford Boulevard. That's 1722 South Rutherford Boulevard. And you need to go over there and just um, the, the the food is it's it's healthy food, but it's so tasteful. I mean, it really is. I I, uh, I could. Uh, I th- in fact, I've got a taste for it right now. I hated to leave there, uh, not just for the food, but also for my good friends Greg and Mentorette. That was really, really special. And um, I hope everybody, a- as you celebrate your birthday, you can have as good a time as I did because it-, it was absolutely out of this world. Now, what are you up to? I- I'm talking about myself, and I should be talking... What about you more? Well, that's uh, we're transitioning back from Houston, Texas. Yeah, and uh, I, I did work in when I was with Conoco Phillips. I uh, did work in Montana and North Dakota, mm-hmm. Utah, and Wyoming. That Ooh, area, pretty beautiful country. And then uh, did work in uh, New Mexico mm-hmm. and Western uh, Texas, out in Pecos area. 
in uh, Pecos is a fascinating area. Of course, they still have that museum out there, you know, the yeah. wall west of the Pecos. Oh, yes. And Judge Roy Bean and all that <laughs> stuff. And uh, it's an interesting area. A lot of, but there's a, there are markers out there where the Spanish came through mm-hmm. in the 1500s, and uh, they put they put brass markers up when they came through, and then they've replaced that with state. How state in the world did the Spanish survive all of that? Because the, the, the ones the rivers, the ones in the military, they wore those old heavy um, uniforms and stuff like that. And it gets pretty uh, warm out there. Very. They, yeah. They just followed the rivers, you know. And uh, it's it's fascinating to study the history of the West. Out in Tucson, they found, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the Tucson lead crosses, but they found lead crosses from that were dated, actually dated in the 800s. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a group from France that left in the 800s that they never heard from again. So they're assuming that that was the. That was the group that uh, made those crosses and mm-hmm. smelted them. And fascinating history out in the West. You know, Tucson is one of the areas that the federal government uh, keeps a lot of their drugs that are confiscated. And I, uh, uh, four of us went, went out uh, West to go to that place because uh, for whatever reason, all the drug dealers were running out of uh, marijuana to be able to sell on the streets. So <laughs> we went down and, and got 500 pounds of marijuana and we're bringing it back so we could use the reverses, the reverse sales right. in law enforcement. And uh, unfortunately, we got stopped on this side of Dallas coming back. And evidently, somebody or whoever... Uh, called and thought that we looked suspicious uh, driving <laughs> back this way. So we spent two hours in uh, um, the north side of Dallas trying to, to uh, assure the law enforcement officers who had gathered in a, in a great numbers because they just knew that they had a big bus going on, bless their hearts. But uh, we had all the paperwork from the, the, the uh, place that we got the uh, marijuana in uh it was one of the more fascinating uh, trips that I've ever taken in my life. But I was I was starting to get worried there for a minute. Kirkland Air Force Base out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. uh, is a uh, that's one of the places where they used to store nuclear weapons, and they have yeah. super security out there. Well, they had a big ten million dollar plus drug bust in Florida, and they didn't have any place to store the semi and stuff, so they drove it out to Kirkland Air Force Base and stored it out there on the Air Force Base in the atomic uh, weapons storage area Mm -hmm. until they could use it for evidence and get everything done. Now, you are a a very good attorney. You're you're at at the top of your class, but is that what you really wanted to do? Because you've done so many interesting things. You've been around so many interesting people. Uh, what would, what would, would have been at the top of your list if you knew all that you know today? Well, uh, I, liked, I liked the law. I like studying the law, mm-hmm. and I particularly like uh, implementation. I remember one of my early cases. I was in juvenile court here. And we were actually arguing constitutional law issues in, in, juvenile, in court. juvenile court. And I thought, who who would think that you would be in juvenile court in Rutherford County arguing constitutional law issues, which we were. Yeah. But um, when I was studying for the law, <clears throat> my feeling was that there are other things that I was interested in also. Mm-hmm. And if I had to eat, sleep, drink, live, and breathe the law to survive in it, then that's not where I needed to be mm-hmm. because I needed uh, I felt that other activities were important too. And so uh, I actually got hired one time because of that. The guy said, that's the best answer I've heard in a long time. And, and I would, you know, I did mission work down in the Patin jungles of Guatemala, mm-hmm. went down to uh, New Zealand two or three times. This was before law school. Mm-hmm. And uh, went over to Belize, and w- we were... Uh, we were pretty deep in the jungle in Guatemala and uh, had a dirt strip to land on and built a, uh, a medical clinic down there yeah. and uh, staffed it and kept it going for a number of years. And the guerrilla activity got to be too much. We had to pull out. But 
That makes me, that makes me feel uneasy when, when you talk about all these third world countries and us changing so much in our country. Um, a lot of people are, are feeling a little bit uneasy because all of the rioting and all the upheaval that are, that's going here that I never believed we'd ever see in this country. Yeah, I remember the riots they had in Watts in Los Angeles. It's not yeah. that I'm that old. I just got an early yeah. start. Yeah, I remember that. One. And then Liberty City down in Florida. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, you have a, a a group right below the surface that's very hostile toward America and what they're doing. And if they can take advantage of something without accountability, they'll do it. Yeah. So, and it, it, it seems like that. The one uh, media that is supposed to keep us up on things and keep us aware, uh, they don't seem to be very positive toward our country. And how in the world, um, I, I know they're protected by the Constitution, but those type of people who only give their opinions and, and, and cause a lot of uh, unrest in our country... Um, I, 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 that's that's the thing that bothers me more than the leadership that we've got. Even though, of course, as you know, I'm not very happy about that. But um, I think the most dangerous thing we've got is the media. Well, everybody has their warts. Yeah. And what's happened in recent years, in my opinion, is that they have used the warts to define the entire body. Yeah. And uh, you know, we all have our our weaknesses and our strengths. But what what the beauty of the American system is, it didn't say we'd have a perfect union. It said we'd work toward a more perfect union. Mm -hmm. And there's a process set up to continue to advance that toward a more perfect union. And we address our issues eventually, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's there's a system in place to do that under the Constitution and under what's going on. The difference now is you've got a group who are dedicated to trying to suppress any sort of opposition. Yeah. And in suppressing op- opposition, they feel like that they should have control and essentially a bunch of bullies. So uh, it's very, very difficult. Well, the, the, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just I can't put my finger on it because uh, – you think that you understand what's going on, then then something else crops up that that seems to be a, as negative as what you've been looking at. So, um, part of it, but, but you know what? It, I, I was telling Greg Tucker yet yesterday. I said, you know, Churchill was right when he was talking about uh, democratic uh, governments. He says the only real weakness. In the, in the democratic process, are the people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how open and, and how true can you be? Well, part of our difficulty we're facing now is the result of the education system. Yeah. Because the system has, uh, I mean, when I grew up, we studied communism, we studied socialism, we studied uh, the American approach. So you had a comparative analysis of what was going on. And it, yeah. was, and it was a factual presentation. But uh, you don't get that factual presentation now. You get these ideologues that say this is going to be great. The only reason it hasn't worked is because people just hadn't implemented it right. Well, it's never worked, and it's never going to work. Yeah. But uh, they'll uh, try to implement it up to a point, and then it'll collapse and uh, go the way of Venezuela, and uh, that's not good. Venezuela was one of the wealthiest countries in South America. Yeah. We, uh, when I was with City Service Oil and Gas Corporation, we had a huge discovery in Venezuela. And uh, massive gas field. And under the terms of the thing, we'd produce it up to recover what we put into it, and then we would own 50% of it, and, and the government would own 50% of it. And the government just came in and nationalized it, just took it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lost a lot of a lot of revenue and a lot of income and uh, property in the course of doing that. But even after they got it, they couldn't, they couldn't produce it and function in a in an appropriate level to to uh, get it and the funds that they did get off of it they siphoned off for other things. So, well, you and I have seen attitudes change. Also, it seems like um, at, in my generation, uh, we we wanted a job to 
to to start making money, and and we wanted to learn of, about that particular uh, a vocation because we felt like that we could go step by step up the ladder and become more successful. I have seen so much change in a lot of the younger people here. They want to start at the top. I mean, and and, and of course, they're not going to be successful uh, as they push their way in those particular positions. And and it's it's a real uh, stressful thing for me to watch. I mean, most most of the people, they have earned their way uh, over the years in their particular positions and become successful. And you and I know that if you bypass all of that, uh, you, not only are you going to have problems, but the company's going to have problems. And I'm seeing more and more of that. I had an individual who I was, when I was with ConocoPhillips, who was supposed to mentor some of these people. And this guy, he had two years' experience. He called me in one day, and he said, or I went by to see him, and he was talking. He said, Paul, we really we don't need to visit or have. He said, if we have to go out to lunch once in a while, it's fine. I know you're supposed to be my mentor, but there's nothing that I need that I can't get off the Internet or uh, um, just talk with local. And he said, he said, we don't really need to meet or talk with anything. And I, and I thought, with two years' experience, how in the world is he? even think that's reasonable yeah i went and talked to one of the vps about it and i'm expecting to say well we need to have a little talk with these people you know and and what he said was well we may have to deal a little differently with him i'm like no no we need to we need to tell him you know how the cow ate the cabbage and uh that's a different approach and not one they they uh wanted to use with them so it's not just it's not just the young people it's a tolerance of leadership uh, to not hold them, hold them accountable yeah. for what's going on. I know you grew up in a Church of Christ family. Your dad was very well respected, pretty much all across the country. And uh, he he had he, his church, his last church, is on the Manchester Highway. You call it Southeast Broad, I guess, yeah. where it was. Highway be. 41. Yeah, Highway 41. Across from the Sonic Lodge there. Yeah, yeah. And it's a different type church now. And But from what I have read and, and, and learned about that particular church, was it's a very conservative church. It's, it started in Egypt, I believe. And uh, you're the one that you put me on to it to, to begin with. And, yeah, it's, it's a Coptic church. Yeah. Yes. And, and and I may go over there uh, one day when I can get some free time on a Sunday. But, but uh, what would your dad think about uh, – he's always had an open mind. People think Church of Christ, are, all of us are just so conservative and set in our ways. We can't think of any other – uh, type situation, which is not true, uh, but um, I would like to know what you think about Mr. George DeHoff, your daddy, how he would relate to that. I think, well, he, <clears throat> I think he'd be disappointed that the church had not sustained its growth mm-hmm. and activity as it was. We would have five, six hundred people there on a yeah. Sunday morning, and uh, gradually that declined. And my understanding is that he, now he came out of there about 1986 or so mm-hmm. uh, because he'd had a stroke and he couldn't couldn't keep up with what was going on and mm-hmm. a different group took it over and uh, it it prior to the covid thing my understanding is they had about 35 people in attendance there wow. they had deferred a lot of maintenance they had uh, had a problem with keeping uh, leaders and and mm-hmm. things and so there were a lot of difficulties that they had run into but um the building now with the uh, uh, Orthodox, uh, Coptic Orthodox Church taking it over, they bought it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's live. I mean, they've got uh, the parking lot this week when I went by. There wasn't another place to park a car there. On Saturday and Sunday, I saw Yes, yes, yeah. it was full. Yeah, And I think his, his approach has always been... Well, it's like when uh, 
the Living Bible came out, which was a paraphrased Bible. There were a lot of people just trashed it out, didn't like it, this, that, and the other. And Dad's approach was, he said, if if it will get people into the Bible and reading the Bible, he said, then it's a benefit. And he mm-hmm. said, if it's something that's going to be of, of lasting effect, it'll last and, and it'll go on. But if it's not, it'll have its little burst of of uh, popularity and then it'll die. Yeah. And uh, he said, uh, you don't need to fight it. He said, just use the advantage of what's there and go with it. The Coptics do teach baptism by immersion. They uh, teach, uh, they have a cappella music. They don't have instrumental music. Their history goes way back, uh, so much so that it's a mystery as to how they started. Some of the traditional stories say that the uh, Coptic church probably started from the Ethiopian eunuch who was converted in the Bible mm-hmm. and went on south there, and that that's the source of where that started. And they uh, ended up with an Orthodox type thing. They're not Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox or or uh, Roman Catholic. They're they're a different group, and they've had a lot of persecution in in uh, Egypt because they're not Muslim, mm-hmm. and uh, they have withstood that for decades, and centuries probably. Um, they they face the same type of execution that's been going on in France and and some of the other European they countries. Have. Yes, and and and, and the people wonder why the Muslim religion is re- regarded in the way that it is. But you know, I, I don't know if, if it's if it's um, um, a part of the religion itself, or is it? Uh, um, because I've, I've read, you know, um, the, the things that they believe in and, um, some of it, I guess, could lead to that it, as far as, as the way take, they react to it. It can take a very hostile approach. Yeah. And, uh, there, there are those people who, uh, disavow that, say mm-hmm. that's not what they're about, but, um. You know, the actions speak for themselves, and at least there are a large variety of people who who take that hostile approach. And then you look at uh, the Church of Christ and, and the other Protestants that are in this country, and most of that is based on love. I mean, you, you look back at Jesus, and Jesus was sent here by God to uh, uh, help uh, relieve a lot of our... Uh, um, sins that 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 we create ourselves but when you when you have that much love for people i mean where in the world else would you want to go it's it's amazing to me well when you take a new testament approach to christianity yeah i think there's a fundamental understanding that's real important and that is that god takes people where they are mm-hmm. he he accepts them where they are and he t- whatever their condition is he can he can bring them in and accept them, yeah. but he does not expect them to stay there. He expects them to uh, follow the the tenets mm-hmm. and the morals that that he has set forth because that will improve their lives. Yeah, and you have those people who are just you know they have people just outright reject it. No, I don't believe in God. This that and the other, and they told a story about the dyslexic atheist who didn't believe in dog, but. That's uh, that's another part, but um, they uh, where'd that come from? Just, I didn't see that one coming. No, but they uh, but in the course of of applying Christianity, it's got to be there. There are times when, uh, as my dad used to say, there are times when you hit a problem directly head on. Mm-hmm. There are times when you obliquely deal with the problem, and there are times when you just leave it alone and let it die its own death. And he said it's very important to know which approach is going to be best for what you're doing. And uh, well, you know, part of what's going on in this country is people are getting away from the churches. So how in the world can you go out and steal and murder like it, like some of the things that are going on in the streets right now, and and still be going to church? I mean. <laughs> well, it, it changes your attitude once you walk in the door. The church was the moral code. Yeah. And even people who 
grew up in the church and then disavowed it and said, well, I'm an atheist. And they still had a residual moral code. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you take the church and religion out of that, then you, uh, you have to find a moral code somewhere else. And that's not always an easy thing for people to do. I mean, what's going to be your moral code? Yeah. If you say, well, I'm the one who will decide, well, Hitler decided too, and it wasn't very good. Yeah. And uh, so the establishment of a moral code and a code of ethics that you have is, is very important. And the source of that's very important. And some people are just lost on it. They don't, they don't really have a moral code as such. You know, one one thing I find fascinating is when people are uh, baptized and and what is the thing that, um, um, are, what, what are they reacting to when they decide to be baptized? Now, I can still remember I was baptized after my younger brother was killed over at MTSU. And he was hit in the head by a horse kicking him, and um, and it was such an emotional time for the, our whole family. And I decided at that time that I would be baptized. And it, it's um, it, it's it's one of the toughest decisions to make is the reason itself why you're baptized now. You were probably very young when you were baptized. That's my guess. Now, I don't know. I was. Yeah. But it was a decision I made. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't one where somebody was forcing me or said, you need to do this or this and the other. I listened to the preaching. I listened to what was going on and what the Word said. Yeah. Now, down in East Maine, when we were growing up down there, uh, Dad came here in April of 1945, Mm -hmm. and he was there for, I don't know, 18 years or so. But... uh, I baptized the dog in the baptistry there, the uh, Cocker Spaniel. And that would have been when I was five years old. So <laughs> they, they said, well, he's got the idea, just not quite not quite there yet. You know? Yeah. But that, uh, that dog was saved. The dog was saved. Yeah. <laughs> he was saved. Yeah. Now, uh, did, did your dad talk about that much with you or... Um, of course, you heard it in church. Not, not quite really. A bit. Uh, we never, you know, we never just sat down and discussed it or had a talk about it or this that and the other. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of teaching and studying and learning what the example was and learning the different aspects of uh, what Christianity involved and the commitment yeah. that's involved in it. And now you have people who they say, "Well, to you need to understand the full thing before you're baptized." You know, you mm-hmm. can't just be baptized and 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 I'm like. You know, that's a starting point. I don't expect you to have a full understanding of Christianity and what it is at that point. That's mm-hmm. a growth process. But that's the initial commitment point that you're saying, you're not saying I'm going to be perfect, but you're saying I'm going to try to follow this pathway. I know I will stray. I know I will make mistakes. But my goal is to follow this pathway, as yeah. opposed to other people who are just like, I, I don't care anything about that. I'll do what I want to do. And uh, that's a hard thing to do, is is to follow um, his lead as far as what you need to do and want to do, because there are always um, uh, we, we know oh, we there's a, yeah there's always holes in the road that you're going to uh, step in, and, right. and you're not going to be able to. Um, um, we're not going to be able to be perfect, and the Bible mm-hmm. says that. And uh, that, that that's why Jesus came because we we can't be perfect, but and we're always going to have things that are will divert our attention, and uh, that's um, that's part of where grace comes in. Yeah, and uh, but but I, I have yet to see my my preacher uh, 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 Daryl. He he. Uh, he does such a great job in explaining that uh, we're all imperfect. And he'll say, I'm probably worse than any of you here. And when you hear somebody up there in the pulpit up there preaching that, uh, it makes me feel better. And, and, and I say, whew, I feel a whole lot easier right now when you hear somebody say that. Because 
you know, when we're young, I mean, just real, real young, and we're going to church, it's a scary thing to think that what may happen to you when, when you're doing things that you know that you're that's wrong. You don't hear many hellfire damnation sermons much anymore. No, no. Uh, and so a lot of people, uh, there is a what I would call a social gospel, which yeah. says, you know, I'm okay, you're okay, you're going to be all right, this, that, and the other but tends to not bring in the biblical text to support the understanding of Jesus and what he was about and what he was doing. And uh, social gospel is very effective. A lot of people like it, but uh, it needs to, it needs to come back and understand what it is that Christianity is about. And uh, it, it is, you know, it is a widely diverse lifestyle Mm-hmm. Um, and it requires a lot of uh, requires a, a daily uh, commitment, and uh, for most people, that's not something they have to get up and say, "Well, okay, am I going to do this today?" It's yeah. their routine, their habit. It's what they do. The exception is when they get off on something else, but uh, they don't have to get up every morning and say, "Well, what am I going to do today?" They already know what they're going to do today, and so it, it becomes a way of life. And uh, it's not something that they have to reevaluate and and uh, make a decision on every day when they get up. It's already there. There are people who read the Bible backwards and forwards, and I find that very difficult. And well, one thing is the the lettering is so small in most of the Bible. It wears me. I can't hardly read. I mean, I have to get a magnifying glass in in a lot of uh, the print that's in the Bible. Now, how do you uh, y- you have uh, the the Hoff uh, st- uh, store that uh, has pretty much probably every type of Bible that was ever, ever been made? And uh, one time or another, we've had uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, we had big, huge family Bibles and altar Bibles and yeah, everything down to little bitty baby New Testaments. Uh, now, how do you adjust to us older people? Well, I tell people, buying a Bible is, uh, oddly enough, it's kind of like buying a pair of shoes. Uh, you have certain things you want to decide. What yeah. color do you want? How much binding do you want on it? Um, I was looking this week at Cambridge out of uh, England. Mm-hmm. One of the oldest Bible makers. They've been making them for hundreds of years. Beautiful Bible. I'm looking at this leather-bound Bible that's $250. It's a gorgeous book. Mm-hmm. The gilding on it, the print, everything in it. And then you've got other Bibles that are uh, pew Bibles, you know, which are are adequate. But they're not going to last a long, long time, but, you know, they're adequate for what they're doing. And then you have Bibles that are even paperback and printed, which you hope is going to get somebody interested enough that they'll, they'll read that and then they'll move on up as they get one to study. But it's good to have a, a translation that you can understand and that you can associate with, um, and not just one translation, but multiples. For example, one place it talks about in the King James Bible, it says that uh, Jesus died as a propitiation for our sins. Mm-hmm. Most of us are going to say, say what? Yeah. And then you pull out the New International, and it says Jesus died as an atoning sacrifice mm-hmm. for our sins. And yeah. Propitiation is a little deeper than atoning sacrifice, but for most people, atoning sacrifice is going to be a far easier concept to understand than that other word until they go into a dictionary and, and uh, define it for themselves. Well, so. What What about uh, audio? What about uh, if you want to say King James Bible or, or the, uh, no matter which one, uh, can you go to De Hoff's and select, let someone there select something for you that is actually read to you, and you can you can pretty much uh, push something that it, it will go to uh, uh, chapter uh, verse, yeah. yeah, chapter verse, or, or or the particular book that that you uh, uh, would uh, probably have more uh, of a of a love for than maybe some of the other books. 
we have we have books we have audio books in stock, mm-hmm. but we also have a plethora of different translations and versions. You saw the three amigos, didn't you? I, I do recall that. Yeah, yeah. they they use the word plethora. A lot. Yeah, the yeah. bad guy. Yeah, well. <laughs> anyway, but we have a whole an abundance. Yeah. Of uh, resource materials available, which we can order and get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Local ad coming out now in the Pray.com thing is James uh, Earl Jones yeah. uh, reading the Bible. Oh, you know? I'd love to hear that one. And uh, it's the interesting thing about that is you can take an oral presentation of the Bible. You get over there where you have the alphabet soup names, and who knows how to pronounce all those things. Mm-hmm. You can listen to that two or three times, and then you actually know how to pronounce those names. <laughs> are we sure that they are pronouncing it correctly? Well, it's close enough for government work. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but the audio Bibles have been particularly good because um, you can listen to them while you're traveling. You can listen to them in the car as you're going cross-country. You know, I sometimes will be driving 12, 14 15 hours going somewhere and I can listen to stuff in the, in the car on the way. And, uh, my brain functions better when I get ready to go to bed. And I think that would be a soothing thing to help me sleep at night. I, I, I'm going to go over there one day and I'm going to, uh, see if I can find something that can go all the way from, uh, uh, Genesis all the way to the to the very end. Revelation. They have and, some available. Yeah. yeah, and and do you get to select the person who is actually relating back to you? There are different versions, so I mean, you can uh, you know you can look at who who recorded it. They'll have sample recordings and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's actually, it, it would be you know I've, I was read to. Uh, quite a few times when I was just a, a young, young kid. And and I, I was read to before I would go to bed at night. And I, I had that opportunity to read to my children. And, and there's something that, that your memory process is a whole lot better when you have that done. People do not read to children much anymore. And that's a shame. It's too electronic involved. And they miss a whole lot if they do not verbally read right there to their kids. It, yeah. it is vitally important. And the thing is, you read a short book to a kid, a, a child, and the first thing he says when you get through with it is what? Read it again. Yeah. And they want. And to, they'll pick it out the next time that you read it. They'll pick it. And, and even if they can't read, if you follow along, they'll pick up those words fast, and they'll know what the next part of the book is. So when you're reading it, they can actually, you know, if you stop, they'll pick up what the next lines are. Yeah. And it's a fascinating <clears throat> study of the impact on the brain of physically reading to somebody as opposed to having electronic, you know, well, listen to this or watch TV or this, that, and the other. Um, it's, it's different. And, 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 and it's such a great way for parents to be able to teach their children and, and still be something they enjoy. And, and you're right. That is a lost art. We don't see that as much anymore. Um, even reading aloud is not something which is done much anymore. If if a person will sit down and read aloud, say the words, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's different from reading to yourself. Most reading, if you sub-vocalize, and by that what I mean is, you say the words in your brain mm-hmm. uh, that you're reading. That's about 250 words a minute. So if you sub-vocalize, and, and that's that's about the rate you're going, mm-hmm. and, which is a pretty good clip. If you if you uh, do not sub-vocalize, but read not every word, but but read it more quickly, which your brain can absorb, mm-hmm. you can read a lot faster. But um, for reading aloud, of course, that rate helps build in people's training and, and learning processes, and the memory processes are a lot different for that. Yeah. Because uh, kids today, they they don't have memory work like we used to have to do. Yeah, uh, you know, When we had to take Latin or Greek, and uh, we had to learn those words, and it, that's a whole different ballgame from mathematics or, or history or English. 
and the, the mental processes of memorization are uh, very important. And if you don't learn that early on, it's very difficult to learn it later. Yeah. Well, so, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Paul DeHoff. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. Don't forget about our annual antique show at Bell Jewelers coming up on Thursday, November the 12th. There'll be rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces from all time periods. Whether you purchase anything or not, we invite you to come in and just see this beautiful event. It's a one day only event. All day, Thursday, November the 12th. It's at Bell Jewelers, Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots Restaurant. At Ascension St. Thomas, care is more than a word. Care is serving our patients, standing with them in times of need, and showing compassion when they're at their most vulnerable. Care is listening and delivering personalized plans from a team of specialists, providing leading-edge treatments at every step. At Ascension St. Thomas, care is more than a word. It's our calling. Make your next appointment at GetSTHealthCare.com. Have you been hoping to win $1,000 a day every day for the rest of your life with the added excitement of a chance to win instantly? Well, with Cash for Life with Quick Cash, today could be your lucky day. Give it a try. Simply add Quick Cash to your next Cash for Life purchase for a chance to win instantly. But wait, there's more. Then watch the nightly Cash for Life drawing to see if you win $1,000 a day or week for life. Cash for Life with Quick Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Somewhere out there, a math teacher's school loans were forgiven, allowing her to focus on paying it forward, not back. Somewhere out there, a parent is breathing easier, knowing their child's college education will cost a little less. Somewhere out there, a Hope Scholarship just helped a student open the door to a brighter future. And they all have players like you to thank for the $5.5 billion raised for education. Because every time someone plays the Tennessee Lottery, education wins. The Tennessee Education Lottery, game-changing, life-changing fun. Liberty. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. As a minimalist, paying less for insurance is more. Nice place. Is your house a bubble? It's a dome. I find corners unnecessary. At Liberty Mutual, that's how we feel about overpaying for insurance. But I do miss having shelves. Hmm. What would you put on them? Nothing, obviously. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Time's running out to win over $2 million from Publishers Clearinghouse. Enter at PCH.com, and your family could soon be celebrating the win of a lifetime. The $2,500,000 mega prize is guaranteed to be awarded this December. Go to PCH.com before it's too late. That's PCH.com. Better hurry if you want to win big. Enter now at PCH.com. Entries due 1129. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. Things go bump in the night. It may be more than a bird in the attic or a mouse in the wall. While making renovations at a century-plus structure on the Murfreesboro Square, the new owners of Church Street Galleries became curious and contacted a local paranormal group. Eric Snyder told WGNS... They did both uh, video recordings and audio recordings, and it looked like there might be several ghosts up there. Then we came down to the bottom floor, and we did some questioning, primarily of Robert. He would flash their flashlight on and off, and then we also used, I call it a squawk box, but I don't know what they call it. It runs up and down the dial, and that's how you audibly communicate. Then the paranormal team came down the steps and headed to a century-old safe. As far as I know, I think we have at least two that the paranormal folks are going to tell us about next Thursday. 
Robert and Sebastian seems to be their names, and I think they were youth and maybe connected to the safe over there that came from the original Murfreesboro Bank and Trust. At this point, the new business owners were deep into a study of what had occupied the space over the past 113 years. Meredith said originally it was Gray's Bakery, and I've looked at the insurance maps from 1907, and you can see it go back to just behind our counter. And so when we were back there further, they kept seeing images of the old-style horse-drawn hearses. The findings by the society will be presented to the public at 5.15 this coming Thursday night at the Church Street Gallery, 124 North Church Street. Adams Place is founded by Dr. Carl E. Adams, a physician and lifelong resident of Middle Tennessee. He and Jenny May had a dream of building a campus concept of life care facilities for older adults. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Discover that senior living is fun. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Good neighbor weather. A few spotty rain showers here for this afternoon with partial sunshine developing and a high in the upper 70s. Winds out of the south at 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 67. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Remember all that? When I was in, we were all hoping they weren't going to extend our time. And, and, uh, and they did. Terry's did. We were talking about uh, the Bible and the audio part and and things like that. And uh, you have been, I'm trying to think of the process of, of what I want to hear from you, but you have been uh, with a family that's been in church pretty much every Sunday. I mean, you hardly ever missed missed a Sunday uh, during that time. And I have always heard that preachers' kids are the worst <laughs> in the world because you, you, you feel like that uh, you probably can't breathe as well or you can't do all the things that the other kids are more... doing. Somebody is looking at you all the time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are those people who, you know, they want, they feel like they want more freedom and they want yeah. less accountability and they yeah. want to be able to do these things that everybody else does without having to be held accountable for it. Exactly. And you're micromanaging everything that I do, you know, and, yeah. and there, uh, the response, you know, when you're working with clay, you got different types of clay. Mm -hmm. Some of it's no good. Some of it's very good. Some of it's great. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with with kids and people. You know, some kids rebel against it. They they've been reared in the church. They go to church. They get older and they uh, just reject it all and say, "Well, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in God." This yeah. and the other. And you're like, "Well, what what made the difference in them versus the other people who say, you know, I, I I'm dedicated to this. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe it." Uh, it's it's important and it's a it's a guidepost for life. Yeah. And uh, well, we'd say when you're in grammar school, did you get a did you have a hard time with some of your buddies uh, because you were, I I remember my kids. <clears throat> I know that they had a hard time simply because I was sheriff at that one time, 
and it it, uh, it, it put a lot of pressure. It put a lot of pressure on them, and and I, I really, uh, you know, you tried to explain it to them, but uh, I'm not living it. They are living it, and it's pretty tough. Yeah, we we uh, of course we were part of the time. Uh, we we had the business here and house here and everything, but Dad was also a college president out in Idaho, mm-hmm. and uh, very heavily Mormon thing. My sister, for example, was one of only two people in the entire high school who were not Mormons. Wow! And uh, it it led to some interesting conversations and some interesting things. But generally speaking, they were very respectful of my dad and what he was trying to do and the approach that he took, and they. They kind of viewed the Church of Christ as Christians, but they just didn't have a full understanding like Latter-day Saints do. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted to extend on that. But uh, in the course of dealing with the groups, you know, it, it's not unique to that area. There are, you know, there are kids who are bullies who uh, want to just run roughshod over everything. And there are times when somebody stands up and says, no, and, uh, and they're going to take the hits for it, too. But uh, other times when, you know, you just, well, it's not my business. I'll stay out of it, you know. But uh, defending yourself is important, and defending others is important uh, when it's appropriate. Uh, sometimes, you you know, you let things take their own course and resolve out. But as kids growing up, um you know, we did things we weren't supposed to do, and we, uh, most of us fortunately didn't get caught doing it, and most of us didn't have uh, anything that was particularly onerous, horrible about it. But uh, you hope that at some point they'll come back and uh, follow the follow the understandings and the, the moral code that's there, that it will be a, a guide rule for them. Mm-hmm. And that they'll be able to come back and uh, use that, and understand that uh, wrong is wrong, and do the right thing. You know, what's right to do. Sometimes that's hard to determine. But. You know, we we we've been conditioned where we are in denominational type uh, situations with our churches. Uh, we've got Baptist, Methodist. Church of Christ, all the way across the board, right here in Rutherford County, and in the non-denominationals, which um, we, uh, when we were young, we just didn't have them here. But now you have huge churches that uh, I have actually watched um, uh, uh, one of our large churches uh, on television, and I thought they did a really good job. Uh, it, it's not. Uh, uh, what I have been used to as far as the name of the church, but it looks like the same message is pretty much uh, spread pretty much um, um, like we're used to in in our particular churches. And um, do you think that that is going to be kind of a, a look to the future? Because you have churches that they're... Um, it's a more relaxed atmosphere, you might say. Yeah, there, there's what I would call high church, which has been your Catholic type, very structured church. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then there are churches that are more relaxed, and there are churches on the other end that are totally relaxed. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a little overboard the other way, but that's my personal opinion. But the uh, the deal with churches is that they they ad- they address the needs of the community as best they can in mm-hmm. what's going on. And if they're not addressing the needs of the community, then people are not going to come. Yeah. And uh, part of that needs of the community sometimes means that there's a call to accountability. Yeah. You know, you need somebody to tell you, you know, you really don't need to be doing that. And uh, a lot of us will rear our backs to that and say, well, who are you to tell me what to do or not do? Yeah, nobody that's, likes that. That's the role of the minister. Yeah. That's the role of the preacher. And... Uh, so in the course of doing that, you know, if people follow a New Testament thing, there, there are different approaches to biblical studies. More love in the New Testament there than there is in the Old Testament, I well, think. Calvinism is a major uh, tenet of many denominations that mm-hmm. you have, yeah. the tenets of John Calvin. 
And then you've got uh, Catholicism, which is totally different in what it does. And then you have what I would call more basic New Testament Christianity, mm-hmm. which attempts to follow what the examples and, and uh, situations are in the New Testament. And so as you compare those three, there are major differences between them. And a person has to kind of determine what they're comfortable with and what their understanding of the word is in in the course of doing of doing that and going through it. And uh, it's not always an easy thing to do. Yeah. But uh, if you understand Calvinism and you understand Catholicism and you understand what I would call New Testament Christianity fundamentals, mm-hmm. um, then you understand when somebody says something, you're like, well, you know, show me where that is in the New Testament. And it's not there. And so uh, then you can be able to, in effect, glean the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take out. There's some great ministers out there that I listen to. And I, I say, when you go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, you don't eat the bones with the chicken. Eat the chicken, throw the bones away. Mm-hmm. And the same way in listening to some of the uh, ministers who I wouldn't necessarily agree with on a lot of things, but they'll have great points and great lessons on things. Yeah. Take the chicken, throw the bones out. But you have to be able to recognize what the bones are. And that requires a study and understanding of the word. So You know, the, the, the missions that people go on um, is probably one of the best ways to teach others because... I know that uh, Bud Mitchell, who's one of the best friends I've ever had, known him. We've known each other all our lives, and he goes on mission trips. And some of them are dangerous uh, places to go, where uh, uh, there are not all their friends when they go over there. But uh, they not only teach, uh, but they also help those people that are uh, that, that they're trying to relate to. And, and they build them things and, and take care of things, help them build their churches. And, and uh, to me, that is the one area where we do more good than just about any other. It, it would be the missions. I know that uh, uh, when my wife Jackie was Baptist, and I would go to the, to, we would always go to her church. And then uh, before, I mean, when we first got married, we went to Church of Christ. So uh, a lot of times it was the our friends who were going to those particular churches, and that's why we would go there. And it, 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 there was some amount of uh, comfort when, when you would do that. And, and it's a fellowship group. Yeah, and, and it's a you know one of the emphasis that a lot of churches are doing now because of the covid thing particularly is small groups yeah it's through the small groups that the church will recover because a lot of these mega churches they're they're not going to recover like they had before people are not they've gotten out of the habit of going to church on sunday morning they flip on the tube they may watch that or they may not do anything yeah and uh my daughter my oldest daughter michael uh, within the Wait a minute, you got a daughter named Michael. I do. Now, how did that happen? Well, it, uh, my wife's name is Terry, and uh-huh. she's had a lot of fun in sales and stuff. I say, well, send him in. And she walks in, and they're like, oh. <laughs> and uh, so. She's T-E-R-I, I presume. T-E-R-R-Y. Oh, oh she is? Yep. Wow. And, That's uh, spelled like Terry and the Pirates. So uh, uh, Michael has had a lot of fun. She, she taught English two years in China. She's. Mm-hmm. Worked wow. here in Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, but a few months ago, she went to Sierra Leone in Africa mm-hmm. with some uh, mission work that was going on there. And it's an area where, you know, some of the people have been at great risk, and they've they've been yeah. killed by Muslims uh, because they're not Muslim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a little concerned about her going, but she she said, well, on the coast, it's humid and, and uh, hot. And she said, I've lived in Houston, Texas, so I know how that is. Yeah. And in the interior, it's dusty and hot. And she said, I've lived in Midland, Texas, and I know how that is. So, so she was like, I have an understanding of what's going on. But one of the people who was along said that they were all gathered talking to adults. And they looked over, and Michael was squatted down, surrounded by children, mm-hmm. talking with them. And visiting with them when everybody else was just dealing with adults. Yeah. And uh, 
So it's you know it's an interesting thing. It's a learning process for everybody. I, I know that uh, Sarah Bell, bless her heart, uh, she is uh, probably as respected or more respected than almost anybody else that goes on the mission trips when they go up and to South Dakota and um, and, and and work with all of those people up there that a, a lot of them really don't care much for us in those particular reservations but they just absolutely love sarah bell and jackie went up there with her a couple of times and they were building homes for the people and and doing some really uh, special things for them but uh they had they were almost accepted like uh family members yeah. in, in the lakota nations and and uh I, I I was just absolutely impressed with 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 what Jackie would tell me and what they did and uh, all those particular things. And then one of the ladies, her name was Fern. Uh, they built her a nice little home, and she had lived in a in a little shack that was much bigger than an outhouse. And you know how cold it gets in the Lakotas area, and uh, she she was having to live through that. And she was an older woman, and. Uh, and she just absolutely loved what they did for her. And then later on, Fern passed away. And believe it or not, Jackie and, and Sarah Bell were invited to come up to Fern's funeral, which oh. I, that is a very rare thing. And um, they they treated them like someone special uh, during uh, Fern's funeral. And uh, it just shows you you can make a difference if you'll just put forth the effort. I was in Hobbs, New Mexico, doing work, and the church out there once a year goes to the Navajo Reservation mm-hmm. and does, I don't know, vacation Bible school or something or other. But it's a whole interesting study on how that Church of Christ started on the Navajo Reservation because they resisted it. I mean, the the council just, no, you're not going to do it. Yeah. You know? And uh, went to the U.S. Supreme Court and... They said, well, you know, you let these people in, so you cannot prevent them from meeting because there are native people there conducting it. Yeah. A couple of guys who'd gone to Harding and went back to school there, I mean, went back to the reservation, and and they worked as the leaders there. And because they were native, they couldn't prevent them from, from establishing a church there. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's a very difficult, very difficult work, and... Uh, People are very responsive to it. They're very amenable to it, and uh, it's a you know it's a fascinating study in how to do, how to contact people and work with people and be part of their uh, community in reaching them with the gospel and who who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, the um, the the Indian uh, tribes are probably been more affected by what we did when when we created this country went from east to west and it, it's amazing to me that they still are uh pretty much reaching out to the old ways and the old ways will never be there and everybody wonders you know why don't they become part of, of the american way of life and they're not going to be uh, uh, Sarah, but Sarah Bell uh, t- t- tells me that they will they will go and become lawyers. They'll become doctors. They 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 the, they they go to the universities to improve, you know, their way of life. But the, the calling is still there yeah. to where where uh, their nation was. The uh, the ability of the. Well, there are two things that made a huge difference in that. One is the reservation system. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if there was ever, in my opinion, if there was ever an indictment of socialism, uh, yeah. it's the way some of the Indian tribe reservations are treated mm-hmm. and the way they're done. The other thing that's uh, significant is they allowed them to to not assimilate with the country where most people came in and, and, you know, the Swedes and the Germans and everybody else, they became, they became assimilated into the culture and society. And with native tribes, they did not assimilate. They stayed separate. And there were, I mean, there are people who go out there and say, well, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
you'd have blonde haired, blue eyed people who were card carrying Indians. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, the reservation system and that tribal system, uh, was significantly affected when they discovered gambling casinos and gas stations uh, because they could sell gasoline without any federal tax Mm -hmm. on the Indian lands, and it provided them with income, which they did not have prior to that. And uh, it's made a huge impact on the reservation and the people involved in it. And they have their own governments inside those reservations. And you'd see you'd see uh, license plates in Oklahoma for uh, Muscogee Tribe or the Fox Tribe or uh, uh, Tahlequah Tribe, you know. And all, each of the tribes can issue their own license plates because they are they are a separate entity government. Well, uh, I don't know if you saw. Uh, uh, McClintock, the uh, uh, John Wayne movie, yes, and know. how they wanted him to represent them uh, in the, in the governmental process, and Sarah Bell does that. I mean, right. here she is, a lady, but she has done so much for their particular uh, uh, reservation that uh, and the people there. But it, it's harder for the men to adjust, it seems like, than it is for the ladies. It, it is a it is a difficult adjustment. The uh, Cherokee tribal leader when I was there was Wilma Mankiller, and she said most Indian names come from some event that was involved in their lives. She said, in my case, I would like to point out that that is not the case. She said the name Mankiller does not come from from the the action of killing somebody, but she was a tremendous Cherokee tribal leader, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the main chiefs that they had. And then uh, the growth of the Cherokee Nation and and the uh, the enforcement of treaties, ancient treaties, which have uh, old treaties, I say ancient old treaties, which have not been followed, and they're pulling them out and saying, "Hey, this is the situation here," and uh, we have court rights and legal rights to do that. For example, when we were there, the Supreme Court awarded all lands within one mile of the Arkansas River to be Cherokee lands. Mm. I mean, there have been farms on those land, ranches on those lands for over 100 years. Mm. But the treaty said all lands within a mile of the river, and the treaties formed in the 1880s, 1890s, and the court enforced it. And uh, she said, we're not trying to run people out. We'll try to make arrangements, you know, with people that are there, give them a 99-year lease or whatever else. Yeah. But uh, but these are Cherokee lands. That's amazing. And uh well, we've run out of time, big boy. Enjoyed it. And you've gone over. We don't have to pay you overtime, do we? Uh, not this week. Okay. So. The next time. <laughs> right. Thanks, Paul. Paul DeHoff. All right, guys. We'll see you in the morning, and uh, it will be uh, Veterans Day tomorrow. We'll be honoring the veterans, and uh, we have a uh, very special man on in the morning because... He was strong in our education process, and he was one of our heroes during World War II. And I'm not going to tell you who it is, but most of you here in Rutherford County will know him and know of him. We'll see you then. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.